0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Roy Vandewater. I'm Chris Conniebeer. Yeah, we got a special guest with us, Darren Ladd from Big Visible. And uh, Darren wanted to talk about management inbreeding. So why, uh, why does bad, why do bad cultures uh, kind of grow and thrive at,
1: at large companies? Right, Darren? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, topic near and dear to my heart, seeing that I've been uh, <laughs> working with the same large organization for the last two and a half years doing uh, oh, uh, coaching. Wow. So, <laughs> oh wow! Well, why don't
0: you uh, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what? Why do you think this happens?
1: Um, well. Uh, it's a, it's a great question so so why don't we define first off kind of what what this means what what I mean by management inbreeding um, sure. and it's the the idea is this that um within large organizations it becomes um sometimes there's this feeling of uh we don't know what to do with this person um let's 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 take a a very command and control project manager who uh you know is 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 really upsetting all of the project teams that they're working with and everything and they you know, the, the HR organization and, and maybe their, um, their management doesn't know what to do with them. So they say, well, um, sometimes, unfortunately they say, well, maybe we'll just try them in a new position and maybe we'll try them as a team manager. <laughs> and, uh, so they suddenly get into a position of, um, uh, of quite a bit of influence around, uh, how people are rewarded formally and informally. And, uh, and as, as most people do, they have a, uh, You know, the people underneath this person have a a strong need to survive. And uh, so they kind of change themselves. And what they do is they start to mold themselves around how kind of the success that this person defines for them. And so people who, you know, may originally have been very collaboratively minded, very, um, you know, wanting to work together, wanting uh, success for everyone, um, may suddenly become very um, focused on themselves. Uh, very much trying to be the Superman that stands out above everyone else and solves all the problems and makes everyone else look bad. There's all sorts of, uh, of course, all the things that we've run into that we've seen that, that can be negative. And suddenly that, that, um, that is what they're doing to shine for this person. Now, the interesting thing that happens is, um, this person recognizes that, that the person who kind of stands out the most, or does does the most negative things, or at least negative to me, uh, they recognize that as a positive because they they see a reflection of themselves in that person, and they start to reward that significantly. Soon, what happens is that person who was a manager um, gets promoted to a senior manager or director or whatever you know your organizational structure is, and they start promoting up underneath them the people who who. Most uh, closely reflected their own image, and soon what you have is you have a whole organizational structure that has been grown up underneath this negativity um, and it 's very difficult for them to see any other options and uh, so so that 's what i 'm talking about about this management inbreeding is this this perpetuation and growth of kind of negative views and and this um, and what happens within this is, is actually a, uh, a self-reinforcement uh, because of the fact that as these, as these individuals get promoted up, they've been successful in this bad way of working or bad way of interacting or negative way. And, um, but the people above them and around them are like-minded to them, and therefore they continue to be rewarded for this. Um, and so that, that's, that's really what, I've, um, what, I'm, what I'm talking about here. I, I want to stop talking and open it up to, to you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. and I, I don't think that's limited to just large companies.'ve I've seen very small companies that exhibit the same behavior, a lot of that driven by whoever that leader is, you know the CEO, the president, um, you know essentially doing the same thing, you know maybe not to the same scale, but uh, you know replicating that same kind of behavior.
2: So, a question that I have, Darren is that you talked about working with some of the large organizations, and Jade, you brought up small organizations. Do you think that this inbreeding you know goes deeper and deeper, especially the larger the organization is or the the, the longer the organi- organization has been around
1: yeah so for me I, I I see it worse in the larger organization. I definitely recognize that it can happen in a smaller organization um, the the thing that, The reason why I feel like it happens more strongly in large organizations is because um... the influence of just a couple individuals on a small organization and they're, they're seeing things in a different way um, can be uh, larger can be and and the reason why i say that is because even if you think about you know your circle of friends if you if you're together with four other people Um, and you're all having this debate and you're all, maybe it's not even a debate, you're all agreeing on the fact that, you know, the current president is horrible or this or that or whatever, you know, and, and all it, it sometimes in that small of a group, all it takes is one other person walking over with a different perspective to kind of start to change the conversation. Um, whereas if you're in, um you know, if you're in a huge room of a hundred people and you section yourself off into a little group and you start having that conversation and, and everyone agrees with you and you reinforce that, an introduction of somebody else within, within that whole organism, within those hundred people, isn't necessarily going to change your conversation, your reinforce, your self-reinforcement of kind of your own views within that small group. And so it takes a much larger effort to start, um, changing that, that Larger culture, or that, or the uh, siloed cultures that happen within larger organizations.
0: So, this manager inbreeding does it? Does it seem to? um, Are the big problems that it causes that it creates uh, a lot of inertia within the company? Because I guess that kind of the question that I'm I'm thinking back to is um, this perpetuation of negative qualities. Is there a particular reason why it is only negative qualities that are perpetuated and not positive ones? Like, if I have a bunch of positive qualities as a manager and I see those positive ones in people below me that I promote for those
1: types of things, like what? That's a great, great, great point. And um, it, it really points out. Uh, the whole other side of this that I should have introduced when I when I started talking about this, which was um, it doesn't have to be it doesn't necessarily have to be negative qualities or negative interactions. Um, it 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 really is just um, a set of people who are all like minded. So um, if if we look at uh, I don't know large organizations, um, Nike's uh, a good example of a large organization that had uh, market dominance back in the early '80s. They had market dominance in just sports men's sports shoes, right? And, that's, um, and if they had stayed in kind of with their sweet spot there um, and, um, and continued forward, they would have limited their ability for growth and their, their overall success in the long run. And who knows, maybe they would have even had a downfall and, and disappeared um, like some of the other uh, just strictly sports shoes retailers. Um, what they did was they started to realize that having all of these people who were single-minded in the in the pursuit of um, men's sports shoes wasn't going to make them successful and so they said you know what we need to get new ideas we need to Get new perspectives. We need to have people in here that don't think the way we do to challenge um, what what we believe. And so in the early 80s, they started hiring, you know, they, they hired their first female director. They started hiring people that um, previously to that, they never would have thought of hiring. And suddenly, one of the things that came out of that was um, them starting to align of women's leisure shoes, which now they are the market leader in. Um, and so it's, it's, it's the trap of, of this idea of like-minded um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a, one of the people who do a lot of the interviewing and hiring for my company, um, Big Visible, and it's a trap that's very easy to fall into. Because when you're interviewing somebody, um, you're you're looking for, you know, how easy are they to talk to? How 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 easy are they to work with? And and um, you really don't want that. On, not on all cases you want somebody who's gonna challenge um, the norms you want somebody who's gonna think slightly differently give those different perspectives maybe f- it maybe feels a little bit uncomfortable to work with them because they don't see things the exact same way you do
0: that that's great i think uh... At Integrum, we have no uh, <laughs> no problem with that. We've got a lot of very different perspectives, and you know, we we don't always see eye to eye. So it it is that's a very good point. That that's a very important part of the company culture. So I think your example about Nike is a is a great one, from a company recognizing that they they have a problem from the top down, and taking drastic steps to change their culture and inject new life. But what happens when you know, maybe you're a little bit lower in the organization and you're seeing this monoculture ahead of you. What can you do to try to uh, gain influence or make some sort of difference within the organization?
1: Mm. That's, that's actually a really, really tough um, thing to do, I believe, especially from within the organization. A lot of times when a culture has built up that's um, basically uniform, um, and it has all of those self-reinforcing antibodies that it's built up. Um, it, it's extremely difficult to start working your way through that and help people to see that there's a benefit from um, you know different perspectives. So what what I what I try to do is is kind of so so I'm an external consultant, right? So it, it, it's it's a lot easier for me than somebody who's who's internal within the organization. So. So hopefully you can. I guess one of the things is bring somebody in from outside who can start modeling some of the different types of behaviors. You know, questioning things, um, asking the questions that everybody else is thinking but too afraid to say because they've seen time and time again that um, you know the 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 this leadership or organizational structure culture beats it down. so, so there's a safety there that's that can be very scary, especially you know in large large organizations. You run into people who have been working for this org for you know 10, 15 years, and um, and they there's these legends out there of you know that that person who asked the wrong question in a meeting and got on the blacklist and had, had you know never never saw their career go anywhere, but stayed with the company for another twenty years and languished. Um, those are the types of things that really really hurt the ability for people to feel like they can start to challenge these cultures within organizations. Um, I know I didn't answer your question very well because I, I honestly think it's, it's extremely difficult to do internally.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's hard. I think one thing I've seen that's successful is uh, start to model those behaviors in the area that you do have influence, mm-hmm. um, even if it's just you and your peers, um, and start to show success. And that usually gets some attention. And people will at least give you some sort of consideration, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that's, a, that's a really good point because um, what I have seen as well is that sometimes the culture isn't as bad as, as perceived. So there's a perception of not allowing certain things, not allowing these types of questions, not allowing um, doing things differently. Um, But sometimes what you can do individually is find someone with, you know, maybe higher up that that you have an individual conversation with asking these types of questions or pushing the envelope a little bit, and you find that bright spot, right? You find that, you find somewhere within the organization where it's like, hey, you know what, this person gets it. And you start from there and start having start having that grow virally, right? Um, so yeah, th- you're right. There there are ways um, that are doing it. I, I I was thinking more of kind of that that big step forward, and which is very difficult. But small steps, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and you,
0: you can't go about it with just reckless abandon because you will end up being blacklisted. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. There's um like you know like I, I called them antibodies and I I use that term. Um, you know, very meaningfully because it really, there really is a, um, you know, a whole organism.
0: So, uh, Darren, why don't you tell us about, uh, do you have a a success story where you've seen, uh, this culture begin to change and transform and turn into something that is vibrant and, you know, has a whole new life?
1: Um, I, I have, I do. So, um, I said that uh, at the beginning. I said that I've been working with a company for about two and a half years, um, and there's lots of subcultures um, and and larger, grander cultures within this organization. And uh, one of the ones that actually was really exciting was um, so there's a the the top leadership culture uh, within the organization was one where everyone was completely afraid of ever questioning the 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 basically the CIO, the, the highest up person. Um, anytime she was in a meeting or anything, they, um, they shied away from making any, any statements that might be considered even, uh, uh, negotiable at all. Anything that might be, might be something that, um, you, you could go either way. It It was, you know, very politically charged. And, um, uh, slowly what, um, what we started doing, um, was, was, actually asking some of those, some of those questions, not, not the really tough ones, not the ones where you're, you know, you're putting anybody on the spot or anything like that, but just starting asking like, well, you know, really is, is, how do you see that or, or why do you think that's this, that way or this way? And, um, the amazing thing that started happening was we, we started seeing that the CIO that would sit down and, and say, you know, this is the way it is, um, in the meeting, she would, she would very visually and very verbally change her mind, um, show that given some different inputs that she could change the way she perceived certain situations. Um, and this started to open up um, the, 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 the group of uh, executives to, to start questioning each other uh, in front of her and start questioning her. And not questioning her or each other in, in a negative sense, but really like, wait, why do you think that way? What do you see that makes you feel that way? Wait, can you expand on that? Um, because I don't quite understand. So the, and, and suddenly there was, there was a culture of, of really trying to dig into things and understand it rather than try and stay safe and cover things up. Um, and that, you know, you asked for a big one and that, that to me in my mind was the biggest one because this was a group of individuals that up till that point were playing major zero sum game. Um, if, if one person asked a good question, everybody else was angry because they didn't ask that question um, rather than uh, really trying to collaboratively work together. So
0: do you think it takes that, that person to make themselves vulnerable and show that that strategy can work for in, other, in order for other people to get on board?
1: In that case, I think it did because she, she, in that case, they all looked to her to see um, kind of how they should act. Um, there was very hierarchical view in that case. I don't think that's the case in all scenarios. Um, I think there's there's even situations where um, you know you have a group of peers that are very much collaborative in nature and and work together as as peers. Um, but there's still um, there still needs to be you know somebody who starts that that you know that that single point that single bright spot that starts to show that there's a different way of acting that could be positive that's great um,
0: so I'm in the middle I'm coaching an organization right now that's going through some pretty radical transformation and they're they're quite large and I see them kind of teetering on the edge of making some of these mistakes they they have some open positions and they're getting nervous about trying to fill those positions and so they're they're just kind of casting about looking for someone to fill in Mm -hmm. Um, what what would your advice be to an organization that is kind of in this precarious position where they're in the midst of a cultural change but they might pull in the wrong uh, influences that could start this whole management inbreeding all over again
1: um, so that's that's something that I'll tell you. My company actually struggles with all the time, and 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 why I say that is because, so um, my company itself has more work than. Than people to do the work, or or has more opportunity. Let's put it that way. Than um, than people to do the work, um, and so as a as a small consulting company, it it hurts you every single time. You you know you say, okay, well we can't do this one. We need to we need to give this away to a partner. or We need to yep. suggest that they talk to this person or that person. Um, but what we found is that that's absolutely the right call. So it's it, it, keeping the integrity of. Um, your organization and making sure that you have um, that right cross-section distribution of of people, and that the people that you're bringing in truly align with your values. Now, not necessarily of the ways that you might see things, but of your values um, is crucial. And so, um, you know, giving up some market opportunity, giving up some business that you might be able to get to be able to sustain that the culture that you have maybe slow down some growth, I think in the long run will actually make you more successful. Now that's my opinion. Um, do I have a lot of examples of how that's worked in the past and how successful that's been? Actually, I don't, I haven't done a lot of research on that. Um, it's my gut feel right now.
2: So, uh, once again, I'd like to thank Darren Ladd for coming on, uh, joining us on Scrumcast. very much. Enjoyed the conversations about, uh, inbreeding inside, uh, organizations and, uh, Hopefully it uh, helps our listeners uh, try to open up their minds and think about, you know, how can we start to challenge the norm. Darren, thank you very much for being on and uh we hope to talk to you again in the future. And do you is there any information you'd like to give out for our listeners?
1: Sure. Yeah, I well first off I wanna say it's been a pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Um really good conversation. Thank you very um, much. And uh yeah, so um, so my, the company that I work for is Big Visible. Um, you can find us at uh, bigvisible.com. And uh, my, my email address is uh, D-L-A-D-D at bigvisible.com. And, and I'm, I'd be perfectly happy to hear from people, um, given if they have some opinions about this or even just to reach out and talk about other topics. So thanks.
2: Okay, thank you, Darren. Um, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you on the next ScrumCast. All right, thanks.
0: Hi, this is Mark Rabin from leanblog.org. I'm looking forward to being a future guest on Scrumcast, but you can also listen to my podcast if you go to leanpodcast.org. I cover lean from a pretty broad perspective, including manufacturing, healthcare, and startups and software. You can listen to podcasts that I've done with Eric Reese, um, with Brant Cooper and Patrick Vlaskovitz on um, customer development. So you can find all of these on iTunes if you search for Lean blog or go to leanpodcast.org.